2: Hello everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall and as always I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and we are also joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre and post game live producer. Joe, Taryn, the Flyers are back in the wing column uh, picking up a 5-3 W over the Devils. I think everyone knows in the Delaware Valley the Flyers sure needed that after that nightmare trip to Boston, that just did not obviously go well or in their favor. But the Flyers are back in the win column. Um, they had some new faces in the lineup. Uh, Joe Fordyce, what was your biggest takeaway from that five-three win over the Devils?
0: Well, I-, I thought they played more tight, a more tight defensive game, and um, you saw you saw guys like Shane Gostisbehere step in, and um, I don't know if I've ever seen a player and this might go for any sport where confidence affects their play as much as him. And you need to watch him play a few shifts and you'll know whether he's confident or not. And last night we saw him joining the rush, taking shots, having the puck from the point and trying to get by a defender and, and, uh, you know, and push the issue in the offensive zone. And those are the signs of of a confident ghost. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's definitely a good sign. Now, we've seen flashes of that in the last couple of years, but it has, it's been, you know, very inconsistent. But both he and Ivan Provorov talked about how much they like playing with each other again. So I thought that was a good development in the game um, against New Jersey. And I just think um, after – in the first period, you saw them being hesitant to seize opportunities that were in front of them, and then they started to do that as the game went on. So I thought that was another takeaway.
2: Yeah, Ivan Prova is such an important player. Obviously, not only does he do everything on the ice for the Flyers on the back end, but the Flyers really need to find a guy that's going to play next to him consistently. That's how important he is. And obviously, they had a guy in Matt Niskanen that you never had to break that pair up last year. And I felt like that was a big storyline over the beginning of this season, that they couldn't find anyone to play with Provy. Maybe this is a sign that Shane Gossespierre is the guy, or at least someone that – he's familiar with. Obviously, they both had uh, career years in 2017-18 as uh, defensive pairs. Shane Goss' had 65 points. Provarov had 17 goals and all was well then. So maybe there's some chemistry building there. And Taryn, speaking of defense, uh, Philip Myers was out there for practice today on Wednesday. Um, He's coming off a fractured rib, but a really good sign that he was out there. He looked somewhat limited. He didn't uh, participate in penalty kill drills. Uh, He took some... Uh, rushes with uh, Travis Sanheim, but Elaine Vigneault was mentioning that it's looking like Myers isn't going to play Thursday, but Hey, maybe the weekend's a possibility. And of course, next week is looking very much like a possibility. When Philip Myers is back, who was the guy out for you, Taryn? And what do you think the defensive pairs could kind of look like?
3: I would love if, well, I think Mark Friedman comes out. Elaine Vigneault was a little bit critical of him today. He was critical of him before he said, We told him after camp, your camp was just okay. I thought when he came up last year, he looked good. He had a lot of bite. Like he did what you wanted him to come in and do. He didn't mess things up and he came in and he caused problems for other teams. Um, So I think Friedman comes out. And then I think ideally, as long as Shane Goss' bear continues to be on top of it and progress based off of his performance last night, I think the Flyers could actually be in a great place defensively where we expected them to be defensively and where we have not seen them be defensively so far this year. Because I talked to Mike Yo the day before the season opener, and I said, what are you going to do without Matt Niskanen this year? What is your thought? Because we had seen Justin Braun paired up with Ivan Provorov uh, late in camp after Shane was out with COVID protocols. And, you know, he said, ideally, we would have guys in set roles again, like we did last year, Provorov, Niskanen, Meyer, Sandheim, Braun, and Haig. Um, and you get Myers back, and if Ghost can make the most of that position of this opportunity, I mean, it's not Matt Niskanen. It's a different look than Matt Niskanen, but if you can get a really good Ghost and this is the perfect opportunity for him mentally to be really successful, then you have a Flyers decor that all of a sudden looks very similar to last year, top to bottom speaking. Um, and that's really solid, and it's a lot of guys who had a lot of chemistry together already. Um, and that could be huge for them because then you're talking about, you know, something bad happens and you're slotting in a Mark Friedman or, you know, an Eric Gustafson, but they just look so, so disjointed early on this year when it was Gus in on offensive draws, Braun in on defensive draws. Ivan Proveroff is adjusting to a different D partner at any given moment. And the coaching staff is trying to make sure that they're managing those minutes properly when it's very hard to do exactly that. So this could be big, just, I mean, having Phil alone, Everybody talks about the absence of Coots and how its affects stabilizing the game. Not having Phil Myers and the kind of volatile nature defensively as of late, I think it's just as big of a loss. So you get him back, and all of a sudden you've got three set pairs with set roles, guys who've all played together, guys who've all been successful together. And I think we're talking about a different-looking Flyers team moving forward. So it could be huge, Jordan.
2: Absolutely. And I, I remember last season, it started to become kind of a case case-by-case, game-by-game basis with the defensemen and deciding who would be that final defenseman in, who would be the extra. It was a good uh, internal competition where I think Elaine Yo and company was saying, hey, go in there, and if you play well, you stay in. If you don't, we have someone ready to go, and you're starting to see that. Once Philip Myers gets back, you have a guy like Eric Gustafson uh, that's kind of sitting there waiting in the wings, uh, an offensive-minded guy who isn't off to the best start uh, in his one-year deal with the Flyers, but A guy with a track record of being able to pass, put up points, move the puck. And all of a sudden, I think everyone really feels the the pressure to perform. And in a shortened season, I don't think there's going to be as long of a leash. Um, It's going to remind me more of the playoffs, where you're looking for guys to play consistently well. And if they have a hiccup or two, uh, it's next man up. And I I I think it's a good competition brewing uh, once Philip Myers returns. Joe Fordyce, was that – the most complete game you've seen from the Flyers so far this season, that 5-3 win over the Devils?
0: Uh, I, I think it was. Um, you had solid goaltending and solid defense. The thing I don't like, and we talked about it on the post-game show last night, is th- this team is is generating this identity of getting being very susceptible to these not only momentum ch- shifts but drastic momentum shifts where – you know, we saw it against the Bruins. We saw it again last night. They have a 2 nothing lead. And then all of a sudden, it's like the Devils are on a power play for five straight minutes. It looks that way. They score two goals. They tie the game. And you can feel – you could – after the Devils scored the first goal, you knew they were scoring the next goal. There was a feel. If you have a feel for the game, you know what's going to happen. And I don't think that's great. So that that's that's one thing I would say – during, They were in a power play in the second period. The Devils killed it off. Wasn't a good power play for the Flyers. And with that, all the momentum shifted and the Devils scored twice within the next seven to eight minutes, I believe. So um, I, I, don't, I think that's got to be – they've got to be able to play a more consistent game than, you know, the peaks and valleys that they, uh, that they go through.
1: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with
3: Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: All month long, NBC Sports Philadelphia presents Headstrong. Men's Health and Sports Headstrong, a series about men's health told through powerful stories involving the athletes we love. Learn more on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com slash headstrong. Yeah, I feel like you're seeing those gaps uh, where the Flyers look almost like they're falling apart in times, and because, let's be real, they're missing two stabilizing presences that they had all year last year, Matt Niskanen and Sean Victorier. Those are, like, stabilized, stabilizing type of players that really can slow things down, steady the ships, uh, so to speak, and they don't have that right now. And I, I feel like, yeah, that's one thing you want to see the Flyers do a little bit better of. They, were, they talked about it so often last year when they would give up a goal against, uh, they would come right back. And the response was typically pretty good. Right now that's missing a little bit. But, Taryn, how about James Van Riemsdyk? That is vintage JVR so far. Uh, four power play goals. Uh, he had four power play goals all of last season in 66 games. Uh, he, uh, entering Wednesday, he was tied with John Tavares. Uh, for most power play goals in the league um is he possibly one of the biggest axe factors on this team
3: yeah and I think when we go back to talking about this momentum thing and I, I don't want to pat myself on the back but I did call it last night I said I said I, I, yeah I know I said this is one of those games where JVR just has like a tip goal and nothing seems like it's going the Flyers way and then they're up a goal and I think that's why he is the X factor is because his game does not rely on specifically on mo- the momentum of the team. He just needs somebody to get a shot at the net at some point. And he's so skilled in terms of how he can redirect these tips. Um, I think that's kind of why I thought that too is just, he, that's how he's had a lot of these goals in that, in that first game against the Bruins. I was trying to remember who even scored in that game. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh yeah, JVR had two in that game. Right. And, and I'm just, cause it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's not, it's not like the flyers built to him scoring. They just have to have him in the right position for a split second and have a guy throw the puck at the net and he can pull it off. And like Scott pointed out on last night's post game, Simple. It seems simple, but it's very chances is going to be so important to this team because all you got to do, especially if you can get the man advantage and Clodrew mentioned it last night, that this team needs to be able to count on their power play to sneak in one or two a game, especially they're giving up far too many opportunities. So then you really need this team to be able to do that. Um, Having a guy like JVR is going to be so massive for them this season because They're giving up a lot of chances, and they're not getting a lot of chances. You need to get on the power play. You need to get the puck to the point, and you need Provorov or Ghost or whoever's there to smack the crap out of that puck so JVR can deflect it into the net. So, yeah, I think he's going to be huge this season. And I think, you know, we talk about him being streaky – I think it's also just him being in the position to succeed at times as well. And it seems like Elaine Vigneault has kind of figured that out so far this season, the position to put him in to succeed. So you just keep putting him there. Hopefully he keeps succeeding um, because everything that he's done is something that's kind of his signature so far this season. So you'd expect he can continue to do it. So yeah, it could be huge. Aaron, I
2: wanted to ask you, and I'm sure Joe knows because obviously he's producing the show, but when – after uh, JVR's interview last night, the camera went back to you on, on post-game, and you, you were smiling. And I have a feeling Scott Hartnell had something fun to say to you. when he. I think he took a little bit of offense when he heard that those types of goals can somewhat yeah. be easy. Um, I, think, I don't think Mike Sielski of the Philadelphia Inquirer yeah. was trying to say that, but he was saying they look easy because they're just right in front of the net. It's a boom-boom play. Well, what did Scott Hardell have to say uh, when he heard?
3: Yeah, because that's a guy that made. A and Joe kind of laughed too because he was like, "Of course it's Mike who says it." Like, let's just pile on the guy. <laughs> um, yeah, it was does. so funny because, like, in it, this is the moment where I wish we had like like a hot mic on Scott sometimes because, of course, when we come back to Eric he's saying it, you know, the, the proper polished way. But Mike said, Mike asked the question, and did you just hear Scott go? I want to line up five of those reporters and take a bunch of one timers at them and see how many pucks they can even make contact with easy shot. Like, (laughs) and it's not, it's not a shot at Mike. It's just one of those things where it's like, I think it just, especially James, that that second goal, the backhand tip, he pulled that shot Scott pointed it out. He pulled that shot like feet, feet away from him and redirected it in a completely different direction, which like, i don't like i can't play ping pong like i can't even make contact with a ping pong ball that's so hard um but yeah scott i joke attest attest this scott was laughing he was like these guys they just have no clue you want to see if you could even line up five of them and get up the five of them to agree to stand in front of an ivan prograf one time or joe i would imagine they would not agree to do so
0: no they wouldn't and and you know george <laughs> you mentioned scott made his living doing that I remember, I mean, Kimo Tiemann had made a, a living out of shooting the puck wide on purpose when guys like Scott were in front of the net and they would either deflect the puck or it would back, come off the backboards out to the front of the net and cause all kinds, that was, a, that was a basic staple of the Flyers offense when that group was on the ice that Kimo would shoot the puck wide on purpose. And Scott pointed out last night on that second goal, as Taryn mentioned, that shot was going four feet wide. It was going four feet wide and he pulled it back to the net. Um, And it's just, you know, uh, more skill on that than some of the plays we see Connor McDavid make that are all over the Internet all the time. You know, uh, what JVR did last night is right up there in terms of skill level. Maybe it's not as exciting looking, but I'm biased. Tip goals are my favorite thing in the sport. so.
3: It's oh, and, and speaking of, because Brian Smith, I wanted to sneak this in there last night, but I, I didn't get time. Brian Smith texted Scott and I. Um. So that was JVR's second career two power play goal game ever. There's only four flyers who've had three power play goals in a single game. Can you guys name any of the four?
2: Wayne Simmons being one?
0: No. No. Two there's four flyers have scored two power play goals in a three, game. Great. Three. Three.
3: So JVR missed it by one. He texted it to us in case JVR got another because he just seemed like he was going to rattle off eight of them last night. So three
0: You're, power play goals in a game. Um, let's say Bob Clark. Nope. Lindros.
3: Nope. You each get one more guess, and I'm going to tell you because I'm sure the people listening find this to be riveting. Oh,
0: I'm sure it is. <laughs> I King do. Is Tim Kerr one of them? Tim Kerr, Kerr was one of, one of them.
3: Kerr was one of them. Two, uh, I would say, yeah, two two semi-recent ones, two older ones, Kerr being one of the older ones.
0: I'm going to say John LeClaire. Nope. Jordan, you get one more guess. I'll go Danny Breer? No. Brian
3: Proff in 1988. Tim Kerr twice, Wow! once in 1985, once in 1986, Braden Chen, and the fourth, Mr. Scott Hartnell. That's awesome. And then uh, Scott texted back, yeah, baby, to Brian Smith, and Brian Smith said, put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what stat prep looks like for post-game sometimes.
2: That when the is, Flyers are
3: winning the stat prep is a lot more fun feels a lot more like a party
2: <laughs> how do we not guess scott hartnell like that should have been a guess of ours like, i i, I
3: wouldn't it. have guessed scott hartnell i was like no
2: What? braden shen too wow that's good braden stuff.
3: shen another yeah i was like braden shen who knew you were?
0: in well when you think about part? some of the best seasons that goal scorers have had and other than prop a lot of them are on this list. I mean, Kerr was obviously had great goal scoring seasons, but no Leclaire on that list, no Reggie Leach on that list, who had oh. 60 goal seasons. oh well, um, we, we Joe, no we were talking the other
3: day. Brian Propp, too, sneaky at the top of a lot of lists, huh. and not the guy you talk about that yeah. much, which is also he crazy.
0: Has to be the most underrated player in the history of the team, by yeah. far, by far.
3: Maybe like one of the most underrated Philly athletes.
0: I would, I would argue yeah. he's not,
3: he's towards the top of so many franchise lists and you, he's just not a guy who gets brought up a lot. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Flyers talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Well, Joe, I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously with a lot of these two game sets, we're starting to see we're, we're getting our f- first glimpses of some of these teams in this realigned East division devils. Obviously we're getting our first glimpse of, they've had a nice little surprising start And I think there's a huge two-game set coming up against the Islanders over the weekend. Uh, I think everyone wants to see how the Flyers stack up with the Islanders, how the Islanders stack up with the Flyers after uh, last year's seven-game playoff series in the second round. But are you impressed with the Devils? Do you think they could be a surprise team? Or do you think they're going to eventually kind of taper off and be who we thought they were?
0: Well, if you look at the the shot differential, which we did plenty on in the pregame show last night, I don't think you can continue to win and be successful playing that way. And the Devils score less than the Flyers do. So, I mean, they're not chock full of goal scorers. I know Jack Hughes looks like the guy that was the former number one overall pick. So you have that. But, you know, overall, I would say I'm impressed with aspects of the Devils. Um, their goaltending situation is a mess right now, partly because of COVID. But um, coming into the two-game set, I'm thinking about, okay, some of the key players. And I'm, I'm in my mind, and I'm, I, I lost for a second. I'm like, who's that defenseman that burst on the scene a couple years ago? It's Will Butcher. He's not even playing for them. He's a healthy scratch. Yeah. And he was – two years ago, he was fantastic. And, you know, that really surprised me. And it just shows you what guys like Ty Smith – um, and we saw uh, McLeod get his first NHL goal last night. So they have some guys in the pipeline there that are, I don't want to say, I guess it could say typical, like, New Jersey Devils, where you're not, like, blown away by the name, but they go out, they play solid, and they're always in the mix for things despite, you know, not really having a fan base, not really, you know, not really being a free agent destination. Um, there's not a whole lot of attractiveness to that franchise and you know your stepchild to the Rangers essentially and but yet somehow it seems like they don't go two years without being in the mix.
2: Yeah and the Devils were playing their backup goalie. They don't have Mackenzie Blackwood right now because of COVID protocol. The Flyers rolled with their backup goalie in Brian Elliott, who delivered a second win. Uh, But Carter Hart will get right back in there on Thursday. And then uh, I'm assuming those two, Brian Elliott and Carter Hart, will split the Islanders games. Taryn, uh, Carter Hart's playing a little guitar, doing a little things to keep his mind off the game.
3: Uh, Calling mom and dad. Yeah, calling mom and dad. I love that. He's just so – he's so damn wholesome. You're just like, Carter, (laughs) come on. He really is. Break your stick. Don't apologize. yeah. Call your old teacher, tell them they suck, you know, do something mean. And he's like, no, I called mom and dad and we, we talked it out and they're my favorite support system. And you're just like, gosh, he's, he's like a chocolate chip cookie. So, so wholesome.
2: <laughs> he is a wholesome kid. Yeah, you hear him and he's just laughing it off and saying, I'm playing guitar and talking to my parents. Um, fans have to love this guy. Uh, you have no worries about him, right? He's getting back in net. I, I have a feeling he's going to get right back to form. He had a tough start last season, too. People forget about that. And then he was really good the rest of the way.
3: Yeah. And I do, you know, like I wasn't at his goalie practice sessions in the off season with Dustin shorts and Tristan Jari. I don't know what they did. I know he said prior to the season that he was like playing with different depths and the same angles at different depths and stuff like that. I wonder, cause he's such a um, like tactical goalie um, that I wonder if maybe he was trying some new things and he's not seeing things the same way. I don't know. Also we cannot underscore enough that he has like just gotten an entire bag of pucks thrown at him sometimes, yeah. which takes a toll. Even if you stand on your head and the team gets away with it, I'm sure at some point it's like, you know, it, at some point it's got to burst, you know, at some point you're, you're going to let in one bad one and we're seeing that many pucks. I'm sure mentally it just, it's it kind of the damn bursts, but Um, it's Carter. He'll be fine. We were talking to Scott about it last night. And the one thing that I think the Flyers, well, two things. The Flyers are really fortunate about is a, uh, Brian Elliott is a backup with a giant asterisk next to backup because he's playing like a starter on any other team. He would be a starter and he'd be a good starter at that an older starter, but a great starter. And he looks about as spry and young. I mean, he's, he was jumping all over the crease last night to stop some pucks, especially early in the third period. I mean, he was like, laying out like Odell Beckham one-handed catching pucks out of the net kind of a thing. Um, and so the Flyers are lucky in that sense. The other thing, and it's super underrated, but I do think it's important in terms of – this Carter can't take any of this too hard – is the Flyers have shown, the fan base has shown, it's become very known to the entire league. Carter Hart is the future for the next 10-plus years here. Like he is the guy, he is their franchise quarterback and everyone is happy about it. Even if he's not playing well now, they're so stoked that they get to develop and watch the development of Carter Hart, which means when he comes in and he doesn't play in Tuesday's game and he plays in Thursday's game as well. The sky is not falling. It's just, let's give this kid the best opportunity to succeed because he's our long-term investment and we want to hold on to him as long as we humanly can which is a great mental situation for both goaltenders, right? Brian Elliott gets to be the savior on some days and he gets to be in a city that he likes, that his family likes, that his kids like, and his wife likes and his teammates that he likes. And Carter gets some days to call his parents, to play guitar, to not feel like I can't screw up tonight. Um, And he knows he's going to split the weekend too. So, you know, it's just, it's an ideal situation. Obviously you want your goaltender to play the best he can so that part's not ideal. But, Jordan, I mean, realistically speaking, if you're having a starting goaltender struggle, this is the, the situation you want them to struggle in. There is no goaltender controversy. Even if Brian Elliott has to play more games than Carter this year, there's not really a goalie controversy even then.
2: No, so. there really isn't. Brian Elliott, I think, knows his role, and he embraces it, and he likes it. Um, he knows Carter Hart's the future. He knows where he stands in his career. It's, they, everyone knows where they stand. I think that's a good thing about the Flyers, this whole team. Uh, they, they've said it a number of times that everyone kind of knows their role, um, knows what they do best for this team, and they all kind of embrace that and want to do that. And I, I like that the Flyers are going back to Carter on Thursday. They could have easily probably said, hey, Brian Elliott won again. Let's go to Brian Elliott again on Thursday. We'll have him rest Friday, Saturday, and then play. They could have done that, and they didn't. They said, hey, we won, and we want to get our number one goalie back in there. Um, I like it. Again, let that kid uh, get his break. Um, Free things up from his mind. But also, I think he really develops confidence by playing, and I, I like that they're going back to him. But plenty of hockey ahead, guys. Plenty of hockey ahead. Flyers fans, three and four, four days. It's all on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You'll catch Taron Hatcher on pre- and post-game live, like always. And Joe Fordyce will be producing those shows. Catch it all on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. We're psyched for the hockey. Taron, you're psyched, right? Oh, you're going to say, I am psyched. I'm a little
3: scared about the weekend. I'm not going to lie. No, yeah, I-, <laughs> I
2: would, I,
0: I would second that.
3: Yeah. yeah I'm a little, I'm a little scared. Be, I don't like,
0: think, go ahead, I think we will learn. I think we will learn more than we've learned up to this point, just in these two games this weekend about yeah. the Flyers team. hundred yeah. percent.
3: I- Cause the Islanders have the Flyers numbers and I know, uh, the Islanders, like, I kind of expected, the Islanders to come out like gangbusters because between Lou Amarillo and Barry Trotz, like, you you know your role. You just have to show up and, and participate within the boundaries of your role. And the team can prove to be – like, has proven to be successful doing just that. And the Flyers have, have kind of done the opposite of that so far. Um, that being said, we'll see. And the Flyers? But uh, – yeah, Joe, Joe will be there, the man behind the magic, to help us get prepared for it all.
1: Absolutely.
3: Hopefully we have uh, fun post-games if, ahead as well.
0: If I could just say, uh, Taryn, you brought up Lou Lamorello. I was talking about the Devils earlier and how they just kind of have, like, guys all the time, just solid guys. That, that style of team was invented by Lou Lamorello. Yeah. And I feel like this Islander team, aside from maybe Barzell, is that team. I mean, you have guys like Anders Lee – and, you know, it, Josh Bailey and these guys were – they're good players. They're solid players. They're good on the offensive end, defensively responsible, and they're just, they're just guys. But there's not – it's not like you go into a series and go, well, we can't let, you know, Ovechkin shoot from the circle or we can't let, you know, uh, Steven Stamkos or Nikita Kucherov – I know he's hurt this year, but, like, when you're playing the Lightning, those are your big threats. When you go in to play a team like the Islanders or like the Devils used to be, you didn't go, okay, that's the guy we have to stop. Because any given night, any of those guys are the guy.
3: Yeah. And, and Scott said the same thing last night. He was like, that's what you get with a loo team. Like, that's just – that's what you get. And it's, it's – again, it's that thing of like – Everyone has a role. It's almost like the Princeton offense in basketball. Like you know what you're supposed to be doing on the play, and where what your looks you're supposed to get when you run the Princeton offense. Like that's a weird analogy, but that was the first thing that came to mind for me. It's it it is so strange because everyone has a role, and like Joe said, good offensively, but you know defensive responsibility is certainly stressed as well because they're everyone is a role t- the role player type players on their own and then they bring them in to play a role within this system and because it is a system it, yeah like anders lee could pop off and have a huge game because his role works in that game really well against whoever he's matched up against it is it's insane and then you have you know and i, I had mentioned this to joe the one day like if i'm Matt barzalik like, I, I think I'm happy because the Islanders are good, um, and I'm a part of the team right now, and they're on the upswing. But that's a frustrating system to be a part of when you're one of the best skaters in the entire league. I mean, Travis Konechny said he's harder to skate against than Connor McDavid is. Like Connor McDavid's super fast. Matt Barzell is like a different animal altogether. But th- but because of that system, it works for everyone, which is infuriating hockey if you're not rooting for the Islanders to watch.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't really accentuate stars, but um, if you get everyone buying in, uh, it can be really tough to play against, like you said, Taryn. And to me, I don't think the Islanders are in the Flyers' heads, but let's be real, Chuck Fletcher even mentioned it at the end of uh, last uh, season, at the end of the playoffs. He mentioned how the Islanders, from the preseason to the end of the playoffs, really kind of had their number in terms of all the matchups they played. I think the Flyers only beat them – Three times, I believe, it was two preseason games. They lost to them all three in the regular season. That's five. And then, so, yeah, that think they beat them nine out of 12 times going back to the preseason. Chuck Fletcher knew those numbers off the top of his head. And to me – They own real estate in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to me, when, when a team you kind of know had your number, one thing you can always rely on is playing at home in front of your fans. There's something there. The fans support. Maybe they can get you going and build your confidence. No fans this year. So I'm really anxious to see it. This, uh, you know, this weekend at the Wells Fargo Center should be fun to see where the Flyers match up uh, stylistically and everything. But you're
3: really building up this game that Joe and I are going to produce entire shows around. Thanks,
2: Jordan. And Joe and Taryn, two games. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <all laughs> but you better be on your skates, just like the Fly Guys.
0: Well, anyway, I think now, we'll talk a little bit about Barry Trotz, just a little. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he's kind of known uh, around hockey circles. But anyway, yeah, Taren, Taren,
3: yeah him and be a little history. Yeah. <laughs> a little
1: history yeah, they do. there. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
2: Taron Hatcher, thank you so much as always. Cannot wait to watch you on pre and post game live coming up. Joe Fores, thank you so much as well. Cannot wait to watch the shows that you are going to be producing. Special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer, as always. And Flyers fans, thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.